0: You say, Mike check. <laughs> Mike check. Mike check. Mike check.
1: Mike check. Mike check. Mike check. Mike check.
0: Mike check. You're listening to Mike Check, a podcast featuring conversations with young women, intersex, queer, and trans folks of color about what it's really like on the front lines and back lines of the fight for gender justice and how listeners can best support grassroots movements.
2: Artists' duty, as far as I'm concerned, is to
0: reflect the times. For over 20 years, Third Wave has
2: funded youth-led activism and organizing across the United States and has supported emerging organizations that lack access to philanthropy. We believe that young women, intersex, queer, and trans youth of color are vital to all movements for justice.
3: I think that is true of, of our painters,
2: sculptors, poets, musicians. Third Wave Fund exists because the precise communities who experience the bulk of oppression still exist at the margins of philanthropy.
4: to me is my duty. We did it. And by we did it, I mean we're bringing you episode number two of Mike Check Podcast, a long-form interview podcast housed by Third Way Fund, a national feminist fund ensuring that young women, queer and trans, youth of color, have the tools and resources they need to lead powerful movements. I'm Monica Trinidad, here with my co-host Tara Tabasi, and we're bringing you episode two live from the Allied Media Conference in Detroit, Michigan. For those that aren't familiar with the Allied Media Conference, it's an incredible conference held every summer in Detroit, bringing together a and diverse community of people using media to incite change the conference features over 300 hands-on workshops panels film screenings bus tours of Detroit art and music events strategy sessions karaoke bowling collaborative art and so much more in other words if you haven't been you have to go For this episode, we sat down with two young Phoenix-based organizers, Hida and Crystal of Trans Queer Pueblo, an autonomous LGBTQ plus migrant community of color who work wherever they find their people, creating cycles of mutual support that cultivates leadership to generate community power for liberation. Hida and Crystal dive deep into the importance of healing justice within anti-criminalization work, the value of disruption, and the necessity of creating alternative autonomous spaces for queer and trans people of color. But before we dive into that conversation, we had two quick chats with two rad young organizers from grantee partner organizations, Southerners on New Ground and Black LGBTQIA Migrant Project. Um, they stopped by our table to say hello in the AMC exhibition room. So we asked them how their AMC was going, what knowledge they're bringing back to their organizations um, back home, and of course, how funders can do better at respecting organizers' time and labor. Check it out and then stick around for our full conversation with Transquirt by Blow right after. Let's do a mic check. Mic check. Mic check,
5: all right, cool. All right, will you tell me uh, what's your name uh, and what organization are you with? Yeah, so my name is Paige Ingram. I am here officially with an organization called Black Lives of Unitarian Universalism. I'm also a Lord's Work Fellow. uh, That is a leadership development program run by Song Widow. Song song. (laughs) Widow. Yes, so I have the pleasure of being here in multiple ways. And, I, and I, I represent all to the fullest, I would, I would say. Awesome.
4: Well, Third Way Fun is a huge, huge, huge fan. And it, it, we admire so much the work that SONG does, that Southerners on New Ground. Um, so can you talk, What's your, what has it been like here at the Allied Media
5: Conference? Well, this is my first time. Hey. I have been hearing about this conference, and things have been getting in the way. And I'm like, no, I need to do this. So <laughs> this is an act of self-love and self-care. Yes. Um, honestly, transformative. So were you coming to the Allied Media
4: Conference with any like questions like, you know, going through your head about or or, like how are you making connections with the work that you're doing back home and then what you're like sort of learning and grappling with here?
5: Right. So one of the things that I'm doing as part of Black Lives of UU is I brought a cohort of 12 folks um, who are have various um, experiences with organizing who all want to come together and collectively do like do organizing work and become an organizing collective that that's what, where the work really begins. Yes. AMC is the breeding ground for all sorts of amazing projects and uh-huh. as we know and so how can we be part of that fabric? Right, right. What can what can funders and
4: like the philanthropy field like do better to sort of respect organizers time and labor?
5: Sure. So, I heard about Third Wave Fund because I had run across a A post or a tweet about them. That's probably from me. (laughs) Probably from you about getting some funding. And so when I'm looking at it, I'm like, wow, a lot of these, there's, there's so much brilliance in so many spaces that I'm in. And the main barrier that prevents folks from being able to do what they need Mm -hmm. is getting funding. Yep. Exactly, especially trans folks. Mm-hmm. It has been a it has been a challenge as a, as a person who works for an organization that tries also to mobilize resources mm-hmm. to get folks behind trans led projects. And what happens is that even though we're talking about how we want to uplift trans folks, and this is part of our values, somehow we're falling short. And so I appreciate the 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 breadth of all of the different organizations that you have funded. Um, and just created an opportunity for folks to just to to be creative and if, and to figure things out without having this underlying dread of where, like, where where is this seven thousand dollars going to come from? Right, right. So, right. like, uplifting voices. There's so many names of grantees that I've never heard of, and, I'm, and yes. that makes me excited too. Me too. We need <laughs> we need new voices. Yeah. Every, everyone's doing dope stuff, but we need new voices. Exactly. exactly. So this is what. Really feels revolutionary to me, um, as I'll just speak on my behalf right. about third wave Fund.
4: Right. What kind of support does your organization need right now for our listeners to to hear? Wow. Um.
5: I think we need folks to get serious about doing the work and get serious about ways in which they can tangibly support. Uh. Folks who need it. Right. Mm-hmm. So this is this is like a part of our it's a part of our mission. This is a part of, yeah. of of what we care about. We started um we started something called Blue Supports. Uh, so each month we're amplifying different projects. Mm-hmm. So so last month was our first month and we amplified something called the Black Trans Prayer Book. Please look it up if you haven't. Yeah. This is something that is revolutionary and that I've and that I've never heard of and we did a we did a, a webinar with them and it was really transformative. We just want to create opportunities for, for other folks. Mm-hmm to do this work just like how y'all are doing and so like you know really putting our money where our mouth is in terms of what our values are who we say we support and what what can we do because thanking folks for their work is great but it can't end there yes so it's it's about taking action it's about getting real it's about gathering ourselves Mm -hmm. and and doing support that's meaningful and that that can bring a project into fruition. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank
4: you so much,
1: Patience, for talking to us.
5: Yes,
3: My name is Dee, and my pronouns are she and her. I am with uh, the Black LGBTQ Migrant Project, BLMP. How's your AMC going? It's going well so far. I've met really amazing people and seen really amazing uh, presentations, so... It's been good. And you had a little
4: workshop um, yesterday, right? Yes. What was the, what was the workshop about?
3: Um, and what was it called? Yeah, it was called Coming Home, um, the Black LGBTQ Migrant Project, which is the organization I'm part of. And we were trying to get people aware that um, there are a lot of African queer folk because oh. the first... Things we started hearing when um, a lot of African countries started criminalizing queer identity was, oh, there's no queer African. And so we just wanted to first dispel that myth and just be like, yeah, there's a lot of queer Africans out here. We out here, we're alive, you know. Yep. And then to also, like, share with people some experiences we have in our home country and also here when we arrive
2: as migrants. Yeah, and how about, like, zooming out of the AMC? How about, um... Can you talk a little bit about the work that you're doing at Black LGBTQ Migrant Projects yes, here in your home city of Detroit?
3: <laughs> yeah, so Detroit, we're not as established in Detroit. We're more established in the Bay Area and in the DMV area. We're trying to be established in Detroit, and this summer we're going to be doing a lot of like outreach to get more members here but most of our members right now are in Minneapolis DMV in Oakland Bay Area um, but what we have been doing so far is know your rights training organizer trainings we're doing a campaign to free udoka who's a gay asylum seeker currently in immigration detention and um, we're doing convenings just to connect people and share stories to affirm other ones who are like, like myself who. are we're the only ones in our area, so we know, hey, you might be the only one in your area, but they'll love you.
4: What sort of, um, what can funders do in general? Like, I think a lot of the times we don't really have the space to talk about how funders could do better. How do we respect your time and your labor? Like, how do we not have um, you all sort of, like, working overtime and trying to get funding, right? Because we're really here to support you.
3: Awesome. Thank you for that question. Um, I think funders can um stop making so many rules like there are so many rules and that is like a form of like policing people like you have to do this you have to do that you have to use this one xyz you have to um do it this way it's okay to ask people how are you already doing your work Mm -hmm. um and what is your community telling you you can improve on and then let's find a common ground instead of coming in like, oh, this is what we want you to do. X, Y, Z with this money. Because, um, yeah, the foundations have the money and the people funding the foundations have the money, the donors. But... Um, honestly we're all paying taxes like even homeless people pay taxes they pay sales tax on like items that they get from the store and we're all contributing to this world so like no one can really say oh it's my money in that Mm -hmm. way because we've all generated the wealth we see in the world today so it's okay to have the people affected making the decisions or finding common ground with them instead of coming to them with like we're gonna tell you what to do
2: yeah yeah yes Bless. yeah funders and service to organizers that's that's a beautiful
3: world thank you
2: for that vision (laughs)
5: Okay,
4: okay let's start with Hira, let's start with you.
6: Who are you? What do you do and why? Um, I am part of Transcorp Pueblo's leadership program with the Promotoras. What I do is I go and do outreach at bars and things like that to help get uh, LGBTQ immigrants access to medical services because often that's something that they lack. And I'm also a drag queen at Transcorp Pueblo, but only sometimes, especially when there's food. I don't feel like I have a lot of connections mm-hmm. um, in my life, and Transcorp Pueblo has been a place where I can remedy that. I've met a lot of beautiful, wonderful people, and through the organization um, and nationally, it, I've also gotten to meet even more beautiful, wonderful people that do beautiful, amazing work. Mm. Awesome, thank you. And free food.
4: And free food.
6: (laughs) Always have food at your meetings, at your gatherings,
4: at your events. Food is central. Yes. Uh, Cristal, uh, who are you? What do you do, and why?
1: I am figuring who I am out. (laughs) Um, But I'm the Health Justice Coordinator at TransCorp Pueblo. I coordinate the promotoras and um, put together a curriculum for them to go through, so every week they go through a different politicization forum. Um, we also coach them on different leadership tools like outreach, um, retainment, and how to tell their story in two minutes, um, you know, just essential organizing tools. I coordinate a free clinic for undocumented LGBT folk um, who are migrants or people of color without access to healthcare. Um, Also working on creating a network of non-Western medicine healers um, to provide other services for our community, understanding that they all come from different backgrounds, different roots and different practices. So paying respect to that. Um, Also networking with organizations, foundations, um, amazing collectives and just people in general to broaden our resources um, and build solidarity across the nation, especially in the type of work that we do i am first generation mexican my parents migrated from mexico when i was i mean when they were younger and um you know typical story they wanted a better future for their kids they wanted more work opportunities and to help sustain their families um but growing up in a very small migrant town i saw the lack of access to health care that not only my parents had but i had and then um family and friends that i grew up with and then when I accepted my queer identity, I realized that it was really difficult to have those types of conversations with medical doctors, um, specifically around sexuality. Um, they automatically assumed I was straight, and they automatically assumed I'm a cis woman. And like while I'm figuring that out, uh, it's so kind of uncomfortable to have those conversations. Um, and it took you know, a solid seven years to have a diagnosis of what was going on with me um, because they weren't listening to me. It was always about my weight or, like, the type of food my family eats. Um, But it wasn't until after, like, the sixth doctor that I had gone through that I got the diagnosis of polycystic ovarian syndrome and endometriosis, um, which explained a lot of, like, these symptoms that I've been having. Um, And then, aside from that, it's just, like... Understanding that health is much more than just Western medicine—it's uh, spiritual. A lot of us have intergenerational trauma that's been passed on by our parents, by our grandparents. Um, a lot of us don't have connections to our identities or to our roots, and understanding like how to figure that out, um, or how to build that connection and go back to who we are, and you know everything that makes up of our makes up our identity. Um, so when I found Transcorp Pueblo, it was kind of like everything that I have been looking for in one. Uh, We focus a lot on like where we come from, our roots, understanding migration, understanding colonization, understanding different identities and different indigenous identities, um, different forms of healing that aren't just Western medicine, pop a pill and you're good. But like, you know, um, learning about herbs, learning about sage cleanses, about like all of these traditional healing methods that our ancestors used and continue to use, which is why we're still here today. So I'm gonna stop talking because it's a very long answer. But basically, that is why I do what I do. Uh, thank
2: you for that, and I love that. I'm also um, very interested in healing justice, so it's yeah. good to hear that from you. So, you know, we're at the Allied Media Conference right now. We're like in, we're in it. Um, what questions are you coming to this conference with? And and what feels possible when you're in spaces like this with other organizers and activists in terms of connecting across communities or, or connecting ag- uh, across like our kind of smaller like local based campaigns?
6: I'm. Very new to the organizing scene. So I don't really know all that much about what I should want to know. I do know that as someone who does drag to heal myself and hopefully to heal other people or at least get a good gag out of it or two, that i I love to make people feel loved and accepted. And so one of the things I wanted to do coming here was, Figure out how is it that I can make myself more accepting and especially vulnerable to other people. That way, they see that you know there's there's places that we can be where we can be vulnerable with each other and like grow and create and become magic. That's what I came here to do, and um, see squirrels. I, I didn't get to see a lot of squirrels, but I saw one the other day. And I'm just going to say that if you've never seen a squirrel, it changes your life.
2: <laughs> squirrel magic.
1: Yeah. I'm very interested in healing justice. So that's what I've been thinking about a lot, specifically doing the health justice program with TQP. Yeah, I just keep wondering, like, how can they do better? And what kind of feedback can I give them so they can do better? So what does taking care of,
2: and and y'all put it, physical and mental liberation for LGBTQ migrants look like in the struggle for criminalization? So I feel like y'all are like um, pushing this healing justice kind of like as a core right, in your work. But what does that look like on the day-to-day? Because um, I think that y'all could be a model for a lot of other communities on how to do oh, that. thanks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> um, never thought of at least the work that I do is like a model for others Um, but um, I think it comes from understanding that every day we wake up we relive our trauma and every day that we do this work of resistance and organizing and manifesting and all of these other things that we do for liberation opens up wounds that we didn't even know we had Mm. and at least that has been my experience working with a lot of uh, trans women who are coming and seeking asylum and going through their asylum process and like opening up all of those wounds that they had that they didn't even know existed sometimes and like how we've realized it's so essential for our liberation to be to heal we can't truly be liberated if we are still tied down by those chains that hurt us every day Mm -hmm. and if we don't focus on much more than like putting a band-aid on or taking some pills to relieve some pain we're never really going to reach healing and healing isn't linear it's up and down and it's there's no stopping point you're going to continuously heal and um, when you fall back down it may not be as far as it has been in the past but you're still going to fall and learning and coping and depending on a community to uplift yourself again. And like knowing that you have power, Mm -hmm. you just have been told you don't have it. Mm -hmm. So once you believe that you do have that power and use that power that you have, then you can reach true liberation. And it's much more than like blocking the streets with your body, but it's understanding why you're blocking the streets with your body and why Mm -hmm. your body is so important and so symbolic and how you heal from blocking the streets afterwards. Um, Mm -hmm. Because there's residual, pain there's residual trauma and sometimes it manifests in like anger or frustration or a lot of sadness or like a lot of energy um, and understanding why that happens after certain actions or after certain conversations or after a visit with a doctor you know Um, so I think for me personally and what I've been trying to be more open about in my work is allowing my story to come through because I only know what I know and do what I do based off of my experiences Mm -hmm. And never assuming someone else's story but instead listening taking a step back and together healing and reaching for liberation
6: and to sort of follow up on that point um i think one of the most beautiful things that we as an organization also like helps support like we're obviously not the only one that does it but that we offer alternative methods of healing it's not just go to a doctor get some medicine or talk to a therapist it's also about getting the comu- the community involved with itself and with its own healing and that can be extremely powerful you know when you feel so beaten down and hurt i had an experience where i was just feeling really really shitty and i couldn't shake it for anything And it was when I spoke openly about it at Transcorp Pueblo that I could start healing from it because everyone then came together and told me something that they loved about me or they, they found encouraging about me. And these were things that a lot of times I overlook for myself. And it was just really powerful in seeing how the community that I'm trying to help really come up and like help me. And it's in very small ways that we can show up for each other, but they're often the most powerful.
4: I have to say that I'm a huge fan of Transcuer Pueblo. From afar, like just seeing the work that y'all do is so impactful and so powerful and something that like I hope spreads across the country. And I know it's I know it, it's happening in other parts of the country, right, that we don't see, but I just really, yeah, respect and admire all the work that you all are doing in your communities. Um So you all are um, both Mobilize Power Fund grantees of ours, but also the Grow Power Fund uh, grantee as well, and um, which is like our long term, like six year grant making for sustainability. And so it's really awesome. I'm gonna see some of y'all in like two weeks at our Grow Power Fund convening in Albuquerque. And so I just really wanted to sort of talk more about the current work that you all are doing in Phoenix. I know last summer you all disrupted uh, the Phoenix Pride Parade um, because of their ties in, in cooperation with police and ice and this summer after tons of back and forth conversations with the pride board um to no avail y'all disrupted again i guess the first question is like for folks that don't know why disrupt pride like i know why disrupt pride because i've done it before it was the first time i ever got arrested in chicago um Yay. <laughs> so i know but for, for those that are listening why disrupt um phoenix
6: pride parade awesome so phoenix pride itself um As a community, we know that police don't protect us. It's not that we don't feel protected. People like to say that, oh well, we don't feel protected. It's that we aren't protected. The police um, this year already have already shot and murdered 18 people. And last year, and now it's more, but last year we had a total of like 17 people. And so we're halfway through the year and already we've matched what we had last year. And so, when we talk about police not deserving a place at Pride and shouldn't be celebrated at Pride, we're talking about the fact that police operate within white supremacy. They operate to hurt the queer community, the LGBTQ community, in every way that's legally possible. When queer youth is kicked out of public parks for being homeless, when queer people are removed from workspaces because um, employers feel like they don't want to deal with a queer person at work or it's just easier for them to not have to deal with uh, talking about sensitivity towards trans people. That these are all things and ways that like actually tangibly hurt uh, LGBTQ people and especially LGBTQ people of color. And on top of it, ICE and police are allowed to collaborate within the city of Phoenix. And it makes, especially for uh, migrant people, Pride a very dangerous place.
1: So to piggyback off of what Hida was saying, um, we disrupted Pride for a lot of different reasons. The roots of Pride are come from Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera and a couple of other um, trans women of color who were fighting against police and fighting against police coming into their safe spaces. And that is what the whole, um, that is the foundation of what Pride is. And Phoenix Pride continues to collaborate with uh, Phoenix PD and like Hira was saying, um, they're very violent, they're the second most violent um, police departments in the nation. Um, And this year they already passed their number of last year and we're barely six months in. Um, uh, It's also really expensive to go into phoenix pride and a lot of our community can't afford it so like when we talk about lgbt rights and like human rights we talk about like freedom from jails economic opportunities community security safety from violence um from people and from the police respect for trans people and trans bodies um, identities that reflect our own identities and allow us to work regardless of our status um, space for our whole family and culture which is something that Phoenix Pride lacks a lot, not just within the organization itself, but within the festival. Um, And they are also in support of businesses that mistreat us, that don't want to help us, that don't want to um, have us as customers, don't want to employ us. And we just decided after this year of interrupting Phoenix Pride, and within minutes Phoenix Pride telling Phoenix PD to arrest us. Um, and then Phoenix PD starting to put pressure and push us, push us out of the streets with their bikes. A lot of our community members who were at the, at the protest, um, had physical bruises from the police and some, um, Monica Jones was being yelled at by police and they grabbed her at one point. Um, so like seeing that Phoenix Pride had absolutely no hesitation, on like telling them to arrest us, knowing who we were and knowing what we've been, you know, what our demands are, uh, we just decided to create our own pride, and like that's what we're organizing, and that's what we're working on, and like, you know, a pride that's rooted in trans, um, queer, gender nonconforming leadership of color, rooted in, rooted in our multiple identities and cultures, in mutual support, and rooted in shared struggle toward the worlds we envision, which is a world of liberation.
6: I kind of want to go into, like, some of the laws that uh, yeah. police are made to, like, follow. So, like, one of them is um, if you hail for, like, a cab or look like you're hailing for a cab, you can be arrested on the uh, on the grounds of inciting sex work or solicitation. What? Um, if you Don't carry me. more than two condoms, oh my you're God. also in violation of these laws. You can be arrested if you ask a cop if he's a cop you can be arrested if you are talking through the window of someone's car you can be arrested and so there's a lot of things that like cisgender people can get away from but these like laws will criminalize do, do cl- criminalize trans individuals
1: that's what i was going to say that most of these laws affect trans women of color Um, Because you see these police activities and you see these arrests and this criminalization in our lower income area or in an area where there are a lot of trans women of color. And that is how one of our own Arizona residents got, you know, arrested and got in this huge... Monica Jones, have you heard of her? Yeah, Yeah, that is how it happened um, because of this manifestation law.
2: Fucking entrapment. (laughs) So... How is kind of creating? Um, how is creating your your own pride, people's pride, um, and then and then relating back to our conversation a little earlier about healing justice, kind of like taking care of yourself. How? What does that What does that look like? And how is that a response to to the laws you're just talking about and the repression and the violence from the state?
1: Something I didn't mention earlier is that Phoenix Pride um, receives money from these massive banks that finance detention centers and um, detention centers hold our people and detention centers kill our people and create some pretty disgusting violence against our people and so creating this pride pride to the people or pride of people of color or whatever it ends up being called is in a way the beginning of our healing journey because we won't have a pride that is too expensive for our people to be a part of we won't have a pride that has police presence knowing the the you know, traumatic triggers that some of our community has with seeing people in uniform. Um, we won't have, we won't be receiving money from big banks that fund um, jails and detention centers that incarcerate our people and that kill our people. Okay. We won't have um, exclusivity. We, we're going to make sure that every single one of our identities is represented. That we have people of color who identify as gender nonconforming, queer, and trans in leadership and mm-hmm. w- in collaboration with the community to know exactly what they want, how they want it, what they want to celebrate, how long it's going to be, mm-hmm. um, and being excited and celebrating together that we are a community that has resisted for 500 years. Mm-hmm. And no matter how long police and how long the white man has tried to erase our identities, we're still here, we're still present, we're still fighting, we're resilient as fuck. And like, we're not going to let them yeah. erase us like they have been trying. Yeah.
4: You know, y'all's work is super uh, is a really good example of how critical disrupt disruption is, right? Disruption is a really important tactic in our in our communities. Um, Absolutely, <laughs> um, and it's like. Especially because, like, I know last year, um, y'all were one of the first um, organizations um, to disrupt a pride parade, and then so many followed after that, right, including in Chicago and in Boston and all over the place, right? Um, and But then there's also, like, value and, and beauty and just saying, screw it, we're going to create our own autonomous space, our own liberation space, um, because we're not going to waste all of our energy you know, putting pressure on something that's, like, not going to change, right? Um, but, but, but like, but the disruption and, I think the disruption and the creation of new alternative spaces are both so important and to continue doing um, yeah. in, in a variety of ways.
6: If I could have it my way, I would disrupt every pride. Mm-hmm. But, unfortunately, I don't have all the money in the world. But, mm-hmm. hey, if the sugar daddy wants to come and support me in my disruptive lifestyle... <laughs>
4: <laughs> speaking of money. Speaking
6: of money.
4: So yeah, I guess like how so you know we um we so we fund you all um and there's not a lot of spaces that exist where organizers and activists can talk about the ways in which philanthropy um exists as it is, right? Like there's not a lot of space to talk about like what are your experiences with philanthropy field? What are like what have been both good and bad? Um and I feel like the conversations are always, a, are always just sort of centered on like, um, we need money or we have money, but never like how can funders do better at respecting organizers' time and labor, you know? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I guess my question is, how can the philanthropy field just like do better? How can we do better at respecting y'all's sort of time and labor and energy?
1: remember what it's like to be an organizer (laughs) I mean a lot of people in philanthropy have been organizers in the past and just like organizing doesn't sleep you know at all hours of the day I will get an email a call a text that I have to tend to because there's people out there who need services or who need someone to talk to Um, (laughs) every day we wake up to a new law to something new that happened with today's administration and so like there's always work And I think what I've seen, I mean, with my experience in philanthropy with Transcorp Pueblo is very limited, but I have... Like, because of school and stuff, I had to, like, write grant proposals. And, like, I took a whole course on grant writing. And, like, just going through all of that was exhausting in itself. Because what the dynamic seems to be is, like, we have a lot of money to give you because we want change. But we don't want a lot of change. We want you to do things the way we say so to give you the money and then pretend that we're creating change. But in reality, we want to play these respectability politics and not trust you even if it's your first time organizing. And, like... That happens a lot and I think something that I believe in is the power that our community has and it's okay to fail we all fail at some point and because of those failures like we get back up and we try to do better and a lot of the times when it comes to funding it's like we're gonna give you this money but you can't fail you have to give us the numbers you have to give us the reports you have to give us you know whatever they demand from us and that is how a lot of organizations end up being like phoenix pride you know because they want the money because they want the the publicity because they want these huge funders on their resumes or on whatever they put these funders lists on and i think for me personally in an ideal world is having foundations Trust the people on the ground. We are the experts in our own lived experiences. We know what we're fighting for. Yeah. We know what we need to do in our communities to make sure we reach that liberation that we want. And sometimes we're not going to give you those numbers. <laughs> sometimes we're not going to give you um, the reports that you need on time. You know, <laughs> like it happens. <laughs> <laughs> Coming from experience, it happens. <laughs> and uh, just like at one point, Y'all were organizers too And y'all know what it's like to work with community And what it's like to work with specifically like, Low income people of color Who are gender nonconforming, queer and trans um, Who are undocumented Who are migrants Who don't have access to a lot of things That you know, I have access to as a person Who was born in the United States um, So it's just like Not just saying you believe in people And you believe in organizing But like genuinely being okay with someone Failing with the money you give them
4: Here's a quick message from Third Wave Fund staff on our monthly rapid response grants. Yes, you heard us right, monthly rapid response grants.
0: Hey Joy, what's the Mobilized Power Fund? That's a great question, Mai. The Mobilized Power Fund is a monthly rapid response fund for direct action, community mobilizing, and healing justice. We launched this fund in 2015 so that powerful movements can respond to and heal from immediate threats and opportunities with flexible and responsive funding opportunities. Whoa, that's so cool. Who can apply? The Mobilize Power Fund supports groups led by and for young women of color and queer and trans young people of color organizing in their communities around gender justice, Groups don't even need a 501c3 status or fiscal sponsor and can even apply over the phone or using a selfie video. That sounds amazing. How do folks get more info? That's easy. Just visit our website at thirdwavefund.org and find more information under grants by clicking the Mobilize Power Fund tab. You can also reach out to us at programs at thirdwavefund.org.
2: Okay, so besides this like badass work you were just talking about, about disrupting pride, um, what other work is TQP working on right now?
1: So we have economic justice that supports uh, people who have been in detention and coming out of detention, get back on their feet, um, learning how to create their own small business for what we like to call queer economics (laughs) Um, or queer economy, I think is what they're calling it. There is community defense, um, which has two programs, one of community defenders who give like Know Your Rights trainings and different things like that. They also um, put women, trans women, um, train them to represent their own cases for asylum. Um, queer politics in Arizona, shifting the narrative and the, the culture around polit- queer politics in Arizona and um, doing research with our community to understand exactly what they need and what, how we can influence politics there is family acceptance um empowering our mothers through like healing in writing and theater in um doing like many performances around social justice topics there's also i know liberation is one of um the bigger well not bigger but it it's a very important one too in the organi- they're all important but in liberation you know we're constantly looking for people who can come to detention centers with proper documentation to visit our people because sometimes um, a lot of liberation campaigns are focused on families and leaving children behind but sometimes our queer and trans and gender nonconforming um, family doesn't have family to support them doesn't have family to claim them so they're they are incarcerated all by themselves and sometimes don't have visits in like years and then we're one of the first ones to visit them and bring them hope and they're like you know i was thinking of ending my life yesterday but I was told I had a visit, and I was so surprised. Um, and then also learning how to create liberation campaigns, and learning um, th- how to create those campaigns around the political climate we live in right now with this administration, and constantly th- having new laws thrown at us every day. Um, and then um, also, if anybody wants to be a pen pal to someone inside of detention centers, please. Like these are little bits; these are the little things that give them hope to liberation one day and um so yeah liberation's doing some pretty dope work that's incredible i actually had
4: no idea that you could visit folks in detention centers um so that's like a really valuable thing to know right and do you all do like training on like um like when you visit someone like what to say or like how like what to talk about or like what to not talk about or things like that
6: i actually go to uh some of the detention visits and so what we generally have is like this link to some site where we have survey questions and we're supposed to like memorize a bunch of the questions but like they they come very easily once you start actually thinking about them like do you have anyone who supports you do you have any letters what are organizations that actually visit um how do you identify are you free to talk about this, um, and other sort of questions like that, that, you know, help flesh out whether or not um, someone wants our help, needs uh, just a little bit of help, or how much help do they really need, you know, that's mostly uh, the training that we have. And then we talk about it afterwards, and we all discuss um, how how our different Visits went with each other and seeing, okay, well, this is a work that we need to do.
2: Maybe relatedly, actually, um, what gives you or what brings you hope and resilience from um, organizing or being a part of TQP?
6: I say this quite a bit at TQP, and I know it's, I say it in a joking fashion, but like, how it's, it's a high cope, okay? You can't, I, my, My coping mechanisms are valid, Mm -hmm. Um, but I say often that without TQP, I don't think I'd be here. I didn't have a whole lot of people in my life who supported me, and it wasn't until after I started going to TQP and really seeing the power that I can have, and the power that I have through community, and the power that I can give back to my community, that I saw that my life has meaning, and it's not just meaning that is assigned to a community. These are people that care for me and love me, and they see my my pain as their pain, and I see my pain as their pain.
1: Oh, it's Aww. nice to hear it in a serious way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I <love> you <laughs> <know. laughs> Back at you. Not big on the feels, but back at you. Um,
4: <laughs> Are you sure you're not a Scorpio? Hmm?
1: <laughs> no, it's all that fire. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, man. What brings me hope? What was the question? What brings me hope? Yeah, what brings
4: you hope and resilience from organizing with transcorp Pueblo?
1: You know, I was talking about this earlier with one of my friends who came who came to the, to the conference. That I just realized that I'm... It's been nine years... Wait, I'm terrible at math, so give me a second. <laughs> it's been six... Yeah, it's been nine years that I've been loosely organizing. Like, I volunteered at a lot of different organizations since I was 16. I'd, like, forged my parents' signature and shit. <laughs> but... <laughs> sorry, mom and dad. <laughs> Actually, not really, sorry. But I...
4: Sorry, not sorry. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was involved in a lot of different things, but it wasn't until I went to Transcorp Pueblo where I felt seen, I guess, and like no organization is perfect. No offense to QP, I love you guys. But like no organization is perfect. You know, there's there's the things that we gotta iron out and yep. stuff. But I am a light skinned Latina, you know, my mom's Mestiza, my dad's Budapeta, he's a brown man, my mom's very, very light skinned. Mm-hmm. And like growing up I was always too brown to be in like white spaces. Mm-hmm. But I was like never brown enough mm-hmm. to be with like my family and stuff. Um and just, like, being queer added even more onto that because of the deep, like, homophobic beliefs in our culture. Um, so, like, when I got to Transcorp Pueblo, I was like, <gasps> I can talk about menstruation and gender nonconforming bodies, and, like, what? And, like, they let me do forums around this. Like, how crazy. Um, I also did a lot of menstrual activism, so I'm, like, very passionate about, yes. like, reproductive health um, for nonconforming bodies mm. and trans bodies. Um, so, like, the fact that I was never, like... Shamed, and the fact that they thought I was decent enough to be their health justice coordinator was like amazing because I was always so used to being told that like when the shit I do is gross (laughs) or like weird um or just like not being heard because I used to volunteer for Phoenix Pride and it was like I was invisible some of those people I used to organize or like volunteer with don't even recognize me to this day so I'm just excited to have a community that like understands me or is willing to understand me if they don't so it's just it's amazing to see how fast it's grown in two years just in the health justice project like when i got there we had 80 patients so far and now we're at 190 and growing we have a waiting list like july we're in june right july is full august is full so now it's like we gotta we're pushing for like more days and more funding so y'all have extra cash for health, let me know. Funders, <laughs> um, That's for you! <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's, it's, it's amazing and it gives me hope on days that I wake up feeling like we're screwed.
4: We're going to pause for just a moment to hear some quick words from 3rd Way Fund staff on how easy it is to support this work you're hearing about as a donor activist.
6: Hey Nicole, can
1: you tell me about donor organizing?
2: It's not going to shock anyone that philanthropy has been a home for the most wealthy and privileged, but Third Wave is a home in philanthropy for people of color, women, queer, and low-income folks who are consistently the first to throw down for social justice movements.
1: You're so right. From house parties to selling art, our communities have used their talent and magic to support Third Wave Fund and our brilliant grantees.
2: Yes, exactly. Folks can head to our website at thirdwavefund.org and become a monthly sustainer today. woo
4: If you could imagine a future where your work is completely funded, within um, Transcuer Pueblo, um, what would be possible?
3: Dang. We won. Yeah.
4: Yeah, okay, we won. What does it look like? (laughs)
1: Um, It looks like having not just a clinic, but a whole hospital for our people, and not like a Western medicine hospital, but having a place for, like, Reiki practitioners, for curanderas, for santeras, for shamans, for um, any other sort of healing practice along with western medicine you know that's important sometimes um but also like free from the chains of detention from incarceration from criminalization um free to be who you want to be like having right now we have a little casita but having a huge house to help people you know coming out of these places and you know they can crash there and get back on their feet and like having an actual like small business incubator where people can just you know create their LLCs and go through that training and have our own queer economy. Um, having like trans women of color in leadership leading a lot of this badass work. Um, having trans women of color you know at the top of these foundations and mm. philanthropy like mm. that that would be mm-hmm. dope as fuck. <laughs> yes. Yes.
6: Everyone of course gets a drag queen drag queens got a drag princess and I want to say that um cishet society has to go to like Yuma and that's where they find their place mm-hmm. and Phoenix is just for us <laughs> do you want to live in Yuma no. it's hot there <laughs> it <laughs> Is it though? <laughs>
4: <laughs> so I, have, I'm filled with so much joy right now. I feel like the Allied Media Conference is um, sometimes very overwhelming, um, and I feel very. This is the first time I felt grounded since I got here. So Yay. thank you for just like being here.
6: Glad I could help. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Tara, do you have anything else to add?
2: um no i'm also just feeling a lot of gratitude for y'all and um and for the work you do and i hope that folks can listen to this podcast and learn about it more because um this is the kind of work that that is going to get us to what y'all just talking about around when we've won when liberation is here for all of us
1: no but in all seriousness thank you thank you too for holding the space for us and for listening and for being excited to sit with us um
2: and last thing is what is y'all's like twitter account or website or
1: or how can people get in
2: touch with you or follow your work like my personal one
1: or trans- no queer- sorry <laughs> sorry trans- queer say, at me <laughs> <laughs> no, um, <laughs> but also if you're looking like you know also with the personal <laughs> you can find me through CQP. it's all good <laughs> so facebook is just trans pueblo instagram is tq pueblo our twitter is tq pueblo our snapchat is TQ Pueblo, our Tumblr, I believe, is transcorpueblo.tumblr.com. Cool. Follow, y'all. Follow Dope work. Thank you. Dang.
2: This episode was filled with so much geniusness. It's not often that you get to learn about work that is both disrupting violence, but also practicing healing and building the alternative world that we want to live in as well. I got to rewind and listen again right now. Before I do that, though, some thank yous. So much love and gratitude to Third Wave Fund grantees, Southerners on New Ground, Black LGBTQIA Migrant Project, Transcuer Pueblo, and especially Gira, Cristal, Paige, and Didi. Big shout out to Allied Media Conference for providing beautiful community space for activists to come together. And finally, so much love to my brilliant co-host and audio genius, Monica Trinidad and the amazing third wave fund for hosting this podcast and for amplifying and resourcing the work of young women intersex queer and trans youth of color who flow with a wealth of wisdom campaign tactics and visions for liberation june pride month is over but we know we we reclaim justice dignity and liberation for our communities every damn day abolish borders policing and militarism y'all and keep healing and dreaming big everybody because we got this
3: think that is true of our painters, sculptors.